how how is the world of team blockchain first of all because i i think for people who don't know you the the sign on the the advert for this one is johnny fry team blockchain what what what's what's that all about um well basically we set the business up in 2016 yeah 2016 and it was really to try and make sense of how do you spell blockchain what does it mean um and at the time there were they're either the complete naysayers or it was just um people being evangelical about it and it was all like literally hallelujah bow down to the sort of chapel can be a bit culty crypto nonsense so what (laughs) we've tried to do is bring a bit more pragmatism a bit more of a commercial aspect to it um and get rid of the quite frankly bullshit um and all they wanted to talk about was oh the unbanked and yeah yeah, it's worthy causes but the reality is that wasn't really you know going to change the dial on you know a shop in norwich or you know uh, an asset manager in scotland And, Mm. and what we were interested in in trying to identify was it real and how where and why would you want to use the technology or the digital assets so that very quickly meant that and we, we didn't want to be techie geeks. So it meant that we started running educational workshops. You, you know, you've been to a couple of them, Chris, you know, in the evening with accountants and lawyers and corporate brokers. And we were trying to case study how, where and why you use it or perhaps you don't use it and what some of the limitations are, but not in a techie way. It wasn't designed for cyberpunks. It wasn't designed for the geeks. It was designed mm-hmm. for the decision makers um, of why they ought to start looking at this. And, and then and then that gave birth to Digital Bytes, which, as you know, is the weekly publication which goes out to literally all over the world now. We've got clients in France and um, Catalan and China, and they reproduce it and, and translate it. And, but really interesting, and this is, if you're ever sending big documents, try, uh, try WeChat. We sent a half an hour of videos uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, to China in less than a minute. Wow. Really? really really impressive platform and and the reason we know about that is that that the chinese client sends out because you can't can't email people in many parts of asia not just china the firewalls are all over the place but you can do almost anything you like with wechat so they translate Mm -hmm. it into chinese and then just send it out um Mm -hmm. and the chinese what they want is they want what's going on outside the firewall um you know what we you know they just they a lot of information is filtered and so they're just in, and as you know, we're not trying to sell anything in digital bytes. It's just pure information. So they quite like, quite like that. I mean, I'm intrigued as to why they, they, they get frustrated because they can't click on the links though. Uh, so you know, it's, it's a bit like verify. pirate radio then. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit like, yeah, it, yeah, it's just true. That's true. Um, so yeah, that, that's, yeah. And this, this year, you know, we're picking up a study. And then, so the inspiration for team blockchain, was it, built in the years of, of hedge funds and all the other city careers that you had i mean i won't not, ask not you to do a name and andrews but what what's the what, what you know you, you did have a hedge fund that obviously no 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 I, I never did hedge funds um oh, okay I, Got that wrong. I basically Sorry. set up a a mutual um they're called mutual funds at, at the time it, they were yeah. unit trusts and now they're called oics open investment companies um, so they're not full of Chelsea people being a bunch of oiks, but that's a different story. Um, we, we basically got Bruin Dolphin. We bought their unit trust company um, mm. and that had a range of funds here in the UK and then had some funds 
out in Luxembourg. And it was managing people's ISAs as or PEP, the personal equity plans they were then. Um, so we were managing, to, so all the funds that you see advertised in the papers, we were one of those. Um, and so the reason fun? that... Um, was it fun? Yeah, it, it was, but um, it's just full of city people. Mm. And 99%, as you well know, Chris, of people in the city, they're only in it for one reason. Money, it doesn't serve any higher moral social yeah. purpose, it's all about money, and yeah. that's sometimes they just sell, the, send, sell their grandmother, their mother, their daughter, their cousin, yeah. whoever they can sell to make money. Yeah, yeah. and there's a lot of people, so that's why we set the business up in Guildford. We never had an office in London, um, so the business was always in Guildford, and basically, I'd run that for 20 odd years, um, and stopped managing money years ago as we got people far better than me to actually. Um, you know lose money that's you know that's that's just you know that's the way we did it and, and we, we had some successes along the way and we got involved in sort of structured type products and we set some funds up in Luxembourg um, set some funds up in the States but after 20 odd years of doing it um, kind of just want to do something different because yeah. change and, yeah. and, and then you know with your again go back to the blockchain hat the commercialization um, would you say in the sort of five years that team blockchain's been going we we have seen an adoption and in that light is it is it would, are we ahead are we in line are we behind what you were perhaps saying in 2016 we got a bit of a muppet to ask answer that question really haven't you of course blockchain's here it's a bit yeah, like saying, look, again, 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 Johnny, there are people that we talk to regularly, especially when, you know, if you look at it from our perspective, when we're advising businesses, yeah. we do pre-seed to series A, you've got a lot of, I suppose, angels in that space and actually seed VCs who are just like, blockchain, don't touch it, don't understand it, don't touch yeah. it, don't invest yeah. in it, don't like it, you know, it's literally, and you know, you kind of think, well, you know, we, we, we're quite a strong barometer of, of companies in the, you know, that ecosystem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if the people, you know, if they're pushing back on it, you kind of think, well, how are these different, you know, okay, we're not the, you know, the all singing and all dancing, but how, are, you know, where are these businesses growing? Is adoption growing? And, you know, just where is it growing? Well, so as, as you're talking there, what, what it reminded me of is I can remember very clearly my IT director coming to me and saying, um, we ought to have a website. I go, why? We've got a company brochure. And that, and that was sort of late, late 90s. And, you know, you've got to have an email address. Why? What's wrong with letters? And I've got, I've got my secretary. I dictate, literally used to dictate to. When I came back from London, a whole load of meetings. And, and blockchain is a little bit like that. At the moment, people saying, why do you want to bother? But because mm. the pace of adoption is so much greater these days, not, not just with, with this technology, but just across the board. And so anyone that seriously says, well, what's happening with blockchain? It's easy. All you've got to do is just put in blockchain plus retail, plus, I don't know, supply chains, plus insurance, plus asset management, plus radio. I don't care what you want to put in and you'll find probably one of your competitors is doing something with the technology. But it's not about the technology. It's more what the technology enables, because a lot of the blockchain, because that's the other thing. People think it's the World Wide Web. It's the blockchain. 
no, you know, it's blockchain technology. And, and there, are, there, are, there are tens, tens of different types of blockchains. You know, we've all heard of Bitcoin. It has a blockchain. Many people have heard of Ethereum, which is another blockchain. But you've got, you know, you've got Cardano, you've got um, EOS, you've got Waves, you've got Stratus, you've got loads and loads of different types of blockchains. And they're all trying to do slightly different things in different ways. And what we haven't found is a common standard. And some people liken it to the VHS Betamax, which being a couple of old duffers, we remember. And actually, you know, Betamax allegedly was a better type of way of recording and playing tapes um, and, uh, you know, and recording stuff off the TV and films. But actually, in the end, VHS sort of kind of won and Sony and Betamax sort of kind of went away. But I don't think we're going to see that with blockchain. I don't think we'll see one blockchain dominate um, going forward. But I also don't think people are going to talk about it. It's a, no one talks about, oh, do you use Lotus Notes or Word? It's just, yeah, I think another it. good example is like HD DVD versus Blu-ray. Turns out they both had it wrong because we all just went to streaming. <laughs> yeah, so, we look at it more of a more like a skeleton. So think of blockchain as a as a skeleton, and from that you're going to see hanging off it other technologies, um, and you know like IoT, in, in, Internet of Things, like artificial intelligence, like um, machine learning, and what blockchain can do is facilitate that integration of those different technologies. And, and all it is, is just an Excel spreadsheet on steroids. That, that's kind of what it does. It's, it holds data, but the keyword, the keyword that keeps coming up and we do, you know, I personally probably about 20 hours a week, just, just writing about this topic. So it's a bit nerdy, um, admittedly, but trying to understand it's changing so quickly, but the keyword is transparency. And what it brings is much, much greater transparency to systems processes. And with greater transparency, that brings greater trust. And with greater trust, it can then start cutting costs because you haven't got to duplicate what's already being done. So that's super important in the regulated space of accountants and lawyers and financial services companies, because you can then actually use the technology to give much more transparency over the processes. And then those compliance officers can start focusing on risk mitigation, not box ticking. And, and that's, that's so, so what we've seen is the cyberpunks drove this blockchain thing, get around the banks, you know, use it for money laundering, all that sort of stuff. And the whole thing is now turned on its head. And now you've got governments that actually want to use the technology because it can give greater transparency, greater information um, and drive some real efficiencies. So look at the World Health Organization. They're, they're, doing, they're, they're working with Estonia company to create a blockchain powered platform so that you can identify, have you had your yellow fever vaccination? Yeah, you I was going to ask about that. Yeah. You can't go to certain countries unless you can prove that you have been vaccinated with yellow fever. Forget yeah. COVID, just with yellow fever. So but, that's a real example. I mean, like, surely I would assume that we should be using the blockchain for the, you know, you mentioned it earlier, the, the, the COVID passport or the vaccine passport. Is that happening? Yeah. So you've got the International Chamber of Commerce um, and then a company called SOS International, um, which is um, the biggest um, medical repatriation company in the world. So like two thirds of all of Fortune 500 companies have an SOS policy. So if your staff travel, then you can get them back. So if you break your leg skiing, typically it will probably be SOS that will bring you back. Um, and um, ba basically they've got this 
Um, it's interesting. The the Catalonia de, de, de Center blockchain, which is the in Catalan, they've set up their offices. It's a government quango type operation. Set their offices up in Girona, and they've persuaded the city of Girona to actually take on board this blockchain based platform. So you can basically go there with your phone and say, "There you go. There's my QR code," and the QR code. That's all it does. And it'll it, and then you read the, the scanner reads it. Say, "Oh, Johnny had a test within seventy two hours." He can come to the football match. He can come into the restaurant. He can yeah. go to the theatre. And in, and it's just a one more step. Say, oh, Johnny's now been vaccinated um, and therefore he's fine. But if I don't get vaccinated yeah. till next, you know, summer 2022, my QR code will go because we're going to have to have boosters. So and the, the most important bit there is when they scan that QR code, there is no question over whether that is valid or not, or it's real or it's fake or whatever. Right to your point earlier, that is the most important bit about blockchain, right? And Anthony, I'm not going to share yeah. my information. I'm not going to share my date of birth, my inside leg measurement. It's simply exactly you need to know: Am I clean? Am I have I you know have I been vaccinated? That's all it'll show. So mm. you know, get so so I think you know people get really het up about this, but if you go back yeah. in time and look in history, it can teach us so much. Because actually, when we had the, the the bubonic plague, which I know you've struggled with, Christopher, and you know, hence your your gross, ugly looks, but that, that's a different subject. But, and and they actually had guards positioned around Florence, so you couldn't get into Florence unless you proved you had a medical identification. We go back to the sort of you know 16th, 17th century, and they said, okay, well, and if you if you basically disagree, well, we're going to chop your head off, but. We would let you in, and they came into Florence, and they had this something, something they made a funny word up, and it was called quarantine, and it was forty days and forty nights, and you went to a inn, and they provided food and drink for forty days and forty nights, and as a result, the bubonic plague killed twelve percent of the population in Florence. Yeah, it's Milan same thing in. Bother, yeah. Hang on, Milan didn't bother. They had sixty percent death rate. So this is something which has been around for you know four or five hundred years. Venice as well. Right. Venice as well, the same thing. They would make them quarantine on the ship when they came into port for a certain amount of time before they were allowed to come off. Yeah. So and well, suppose, instead of going around bits of paper, we can do it digitally, that's all. I, I think the other interesting thing, and about the only interesting thing I remember from my degree, um, <coughs> which was modern and medieval history, um, was that all plagues last two years. Did you know that? I remember you mentioning it at the beginning of COVID. Every single plague, yeah, two years. So apart from the plague of low, that's been more than two years. Plague, the plague of fry, you mean? Um, so we just exclude okay. outliers. So, so then, if you look at the sort of corporate adoption here because i know digital bytes I, I i do read it i know you say i don't but i do occasionally have the time to to carouse through your wisdom and um yeah there's some really interesting pieces where you you pick up on different companies and or, or situations or stories where blockchain is is happening i mean has there been a particular adoption amongst other, you know, outside of finance? Has there been any industries that have really started to use blockchain on at scale? Um, any countries? Um, I, I, I'm just curious, 
you know that that real adoption where the penny is dropping yeah so uh, again there's lots and lots of examples you know there are certain areas where um obviously blockchain powers um digital assets cryptocurrencies so mm. and you've seen the adoption of cryptocurrencies it, it's a it's a global global phenomenon because it can basically move money um you know much much cheaper and much more securely um but at, so, so you've got places like korea uh, South Korea, well, probably North Korea as well, um, but certainly certainly South Korea, um, very, very active in that space. Um, Japan has been a real adopter. Um, but but outside of let's let's forget money for a moment. Let's look at other use cases. And um, there's there's a there's a terminology that we've sort of we sometimes refer to called um, collective capitalism. And, and what I mean by that is that normally normally in a capitalist environment, companies compete with each other quite aggressively and you would never go to your competitor and say we can help each other and we can make it bigger but unless you're being a monopoly um but you have situations such as trade lens um which is basically being developed by the Maersk shipping and obviously ships very much in the news at the moment what's going on in the Suez um and we have they've, they've got this platform where they've got 120 different competitors basically sharing information so they can be much more efficient of where they're moving um, you know, container and information around all that's run on a on an IBM. Have done a lot of work with um, you know their their particular consulting stuff. They they've got a blockchain which they have been propagating. Um, then you go to the petrochemical industry and you've got a blockchain called VACT V A K T, and they've done a trial in the North Sea and they've improved the efficiency um, for themselves and their competitors. Shell, SO, Total, for example. So, you know, you, you know, there's there's three of us on this call and we've got three different um, oil rigs in three different places. Well, rather than sending three ships out, we can send one and I can get more stores of lubrication and you can get more stores of uh, drill bits and Anthony get more more supplies of pipes. So it's just one ship. Um, also in the petrochemical industry, um, one of the companies that we're working with, um, they actually have an Internet of Thing device, which tells you how much petrol or in america they call it gas are, is actually in the tanks underneath the, the gas stations hmm. and then there's all into a blockchain so that if we do imagine most most people hopefully will be familiar with oxford street let's just imagine there is a petrol station at you know marble arch oxford circus and tottenham court road now instead of a oil tanker going down you know three times a week to top those up all of those are connected with an internet of thing through a blockchain. So it then works out the optimum time. So once a week, one tanker goes down and tops up all three. So that's really good for ESG purposes, but it makes it a lot cheaper. You imagine how expensive those tankers are to actually, you know, pay the congestion charge more importantly to actually run them and maintain them. So they're, they're, they're rolling that across the States. So that's again, you know, you wouldn't even know about it. And that's what I mean. A lot of these adoption is going on now where, it's kind of a bit passe almost to talk about it because it's happening. And if you don't realize it's happening, well, as I say, just Google it, just Google your industry you're in. And you, I think you'll be very surprised. Um, and that's what we, we try and look on a multi sort of jurisdictional basis. Um, so, you know, we're working with another company at the moment, fascinating company called Bloodflow, And what they're doing is I had no idea if you give blood, you get a cup of tea. How much do you think they sell the blood for to the NHS? <laughs> a lot. £147.64 per uh, unit. Blood pack. Oh, per wow. unit. Wow. Now, wow. the trouble is, is that, you know, we're old boys 
And our generation, if the phone rang, you'd say, oh, that's good. Someone's phoned oh, me off. Yeah, I'll do my bit for the country. I'll yeah. give blood. Yeah. yeah. If, if, if the phone rings and the kids don't recognise the number, they won't even pick the phone up. Yeah. So they've got banks and banks of people phoning to say, don't forget, Johnny, your blood donation. Or, you know, don't forget it's next week. Don't forget it. And they phone five or six times to line up the appointment and then phone after and say thank you. So I, th I think seven times a phone call it gets a phone call gets made. Well, that's just old. No yeah. one picks up the phone anymore. So they've got to. Yeah, if, I, if I don't, if I don't recognise the number, I don't no. answer it. I'm yeah. like, oh, that's a scam. Fuck off. Yeah. But, but if I, but if, if you could see that your unit of blood went and saved a little girl in a car accident in yeah. Reading, or an old old man who had a hip operation up in, you know, you know, I don't know, Newcastle, then you're probably more likely. Now you don't need to know the name of the girl or the old man, but to see how your blood's been used, that may encourage you to come back a little bit more. And now if you yeah. overlay the whole tokenomics and the whole nudge economics of Johnny, every time you give blood or every time you actually give a referral, we'll give you some green shield stamps. We'll give you some points. We'll give you some air miles. Don't care what more you want to call them. We'll give you a little incentive. More tea. More tea. More tea, Vicar. Um, <laughs> so again, that, that's being used in the sort of healthcare sector to try and yeah. you then scale that up and say, well, okay, unfortunately, the blood donation agencies have something like a 15% drop-off rate. People just don't bother turning up. Having said they will, they don't. So mm. if they can if they can reduce that and get more people to give blood, they'll generate more money, which they can do more marketing, which means because there's a desperate shortage of blood. Now, on top mm. of that, you've got something like 75% of the plasma comes from one country, the USA. Why? Yeah. Yeah. So, what? If, so what they want to try and do is actually get more people giving blood. That gets separated into plasma because the one thing that has taught in the last year is the over-reliance on one-off locations. So like 65% of all the paracetamols and active ingredients for um, drugs comes from China. 80% of antibiotics comes from China. And that's not being xenophobic or anti-China, but does that make sense? And I'd argue it doesn't. So from blood, an efficiency it, it, point of view, it makes sense. From a redundancy point of view, it's extremely risky. <laughs> yeah. so, so that's it's quite interesting, example. you know, hearing all of these use cases, it just, to me, it becomes very apparent the uh, sort of natural marriage between blockchain and AI, because blockchain is just creating very efficient data that is accessible. AI is how you then use that data, right? Yeah, it's, well, it's, yeah, AI is, is useful, but, but very often it's just holding the data. You don't need to do anything with the data, but you want to give permission. So, so we were asked by the Charter Institute of Personnel Managers just for Christmas, could we tell them a little bit about how it can be used in their industry? And you know, you, you're applying for a job and you say, here's my CV, now I've got a job, so I want my CV back, I want my data back, I want my information back. So you can use blockchain in a way of giving permission to share your information and data. And so that's, mm -hmm. a, that's a really interesting thing. Um, and, and, then, and then I think you have to look at, I mentioned about governments, we've already got China, it's created its own digital assets. And it's really interesting what they're doing, because what they actually said is that, um, OK, we're going to give away three million dollars worth of money, just cash, going to give it to you, randomly selected from different locations, different cities. They've done it, but it comes with it comes with attachments. You have to spend it within 10 days. You can only spend it on these certain places. 
So rather than this crazy situation where we're allegedly, according to the Bank of America, we have something like $1.6 trillion of savings in the US economy waiting to be spent. On top of that, they just chucked another $1.9 trillion. You know, my sister, you know, she lives in California. She does not need $2,800 for her and her husband. They're just going to save it. Whereas an impoverished football player like yourself, Chris, you know, what if I gave you a thousand pounds, you're going to go and pissed up against a wall. You're going to go and buy beer and go and play. Yeah, probably a new knuckle duster. You're going to spend it. Mm. So, so we, so what a digital currency enables, it enables you to basically target a much more targeted fiscal stimulus. So, yeah, the rules around those resources. Yeah, it's quite interesting because they've lost control of money in many ways because the reason within with interest as they are, they, they, they can't really cut interest rates much more than now. Mm-hmm. So they've, they've lost that. They've lost that economic tool. Unless we see interest rates pop back up, governments are really struggling. How do we stimulate certain so, parts of the economy? So are you talking to our dear Rishi at the moment, Johnny, about any of these kind of areas? Because you are a leading, a leading uh, mind in in the space. In my opinion, are, are, the, are the government listening? Are, are you, talking to different departments yeah yes but the, the move the, it moves so slowly it moves so slowly that's that's the problem um and and there's so many vested interests and, and chris you're very kind but i don't class myself as an expert i've only been doing this for five years you know I, but blockchain's you know, only been around for how many years uh since the 70s really remember napster yeah remember napster yeah that was blockchain Distributed ledger technology. Technology been around for ages. That that's yeah. not the issue. The, the issue is the infrastructure hasn't been there. So yeah. so I'll share with you a little story. We um, there's a there's a big company called State Street, which I know you guys will be familiar with. You know they look after only thirty odd trillion dollars worth of assets. So they're one of the biggest sort of custodian, aren't they? Custodian administrator and fund manager. They've got just a, a mere three point eight trillion just in funds under management, and they've been talking about using blockchain for quite a long time. Um, so I know some people there and last uh, week for last, they announced they were going to do the administration and custody for a new blockchain in Canada. And it's a Bitcoin ETF. Um, now, I just put something on LinkedIn. I've only got eight and a half thousand connections on LinkedIn. So it's not it's not massive by any means compared. We had thirty three thousand views within two days. And when you actually then go in and look at who's looking at it, because you can on LinkedIn once you've got more than a couple hundred views. You act, it was like walking down Wall Street. Mm. The, the names of the companies that are looking at it and saying, blimey, this is happening. This is going on. This is interesting. Mm. And so w- at the moment, there's still a lot of we're looking at it. Let's see what happens. But as you see central governments, we've seen China. I honestly believe in the next 18 months, you'll see Europe and all the UK come out with a digital currency. Then all of a sudden... That, that thing about turning the whole thing upside down from sort of, you know, cyberpunks wearing hoodies and want to get around the banking system to actually the banks and the governments using it. And I think the mass adoption will actually be driven by compliance, not by salespeople. So it'll be yeah. driven by people saying, I've got more information. I've got more transparency. I can then focus my limited resources on, you know, fighting what I need to do rather than this box ticking exercise, because actually you know, if I'm honest, where has regulation got us in the last 30 years? We still get, you know, they still get criminals. You're still going to get fraud. So actually, it's a bit like trying to fight the drugs war. 
you know, actually spend the money in a slightly different way and you'll probably get a better result. And, and that's there's that shift beginning to happen with people saying we need more information, more automation. Go to Anthony's comment there about using AI, using AI to actually look at trends, look at information. It's being used by the banks to grant loans. So they're mm -hmm. not just looking at your application. They're using a whole series of information to, so that they can grant better loans that are like less, you have less default. Yeah. Um, and also credit history many, many, many accuracy many. and all that sort of thing as well. The, the benefits... It's quite interesting because you can go from a very macro to quite micro very quickly when you start thinking about all the benefits. Yeah. Well, one of my favorites, Chris, and I know we've spoken about this before, is the Johnson & Johnson, um, who do, you know, cherry blossom blue polish and Glade air fresheners and, you know, all that sort of stuff. And they want to do something for their corporate social responsibility. It's now called ESG, you know, Environmental Social Corporate Governance. And, and they wanted to do something because they, they got billions of bottles of plastic that are polluting the oceans and everything like that so we want to do something about this so they teamed up with plastic bank and said okay what we're going to do we're going to encourage um typically non-working ladies and children to go and pick up plastic um in egypt in indonesia and malaysia and clean up your village and we'll give you some money for your old plastic and then we'll recycle it and the trouble is is that dad came home typically clip around the ear back down the local whorehouse wasn't really what johnson johnson wanted but all the kids were walking around one of these things, a mobile phone. So they said, well, tell you what, why don't we give them some sort of electronic credit, an air mile, uh, a Tesco's club car point, and then they can exchange those for, you know, for food, for, you know, clothes, for books. And so it kind of circular economy there because you're cleaning up the environment, you're helping, you know, those in real need. And, and that's, and it's all very traceable. So one of the key investments, and you must come across this, how much are you going to make in your new company, Johnny? How are you going to make it? What's your ESG footprint? Well, in order to know what your ESG footprint is, you have to know where you're starting from. So you need to almost do like an audit, and then you're constantly checking, you know, are you staying within your ESG credentials that you've offered? Well, for that, you need data, you need information. And I then need really to be able to share that with you. Not that you get my version. You need to be able to go in and see, from a distance, okay, so how are we measuring? Is he a polluter or is he actually doing what he said he would do? So that's yeah. the sort of- how can we trust that data? Yeah. yeah. So there's a, there's a company at the moment and they're um, selling coffee. And basically you can get your QR code, you can scan it and you pay a little bit extra and your money goes to um, the coffee growers so that they don't chop down the rainforest and they actually look after the orangutans. And they've rehomed they've re 200 orangutans. Mm -hmm. Now all that information, is on the blockchain. What, but what, the story what, is actually... What's, that, what's that company called, just for our viewers? Oh, it's Monkey Business, isn't it? Okay. I, I, I can't remember the top of my head, but again, <laughs> Google it. Google it. It's there. And that coffee is for sale here in this Monkey country. Business, blockchain, hmm. enter. <laughs> Orangutan. <laughs> okay. um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So, interesting. Well, fascinating insights there, Johnny. Um, uh, we've we've had a bit of a year of the SPAC, um, as you probably um, have been yeah. witnessing. Um, curious, is there a blockchain SPAC out there that's on the horizon, or have there been many? I thought those were called ICOs, Chris. <laughs> well, you tell me, Anthony. Um, I'm just, you know, you getting bored. You buying into this SPAC hype, or is it just a load? We're, of we're about to get a very substantial stock market crash, Chris. Okay. 
Really? So be very, very careful. That crystal, crystal ball, or is that? Is no, that... It's, it's nearly 40 years of actually um, managing money, looking at markets. Nothing ever goes up in a straight line. We're nearly into 11 years of a bull market. Um, mm. By the very nature of what you've just said, SPAC, um, look at what's happened with, you know, with in, in Wall Street early this early this year, whereby suddenly just on sort of social messaging sites, people started bidding up the price of Nokia or, you know, GameStop and, yeah. you know, it, it's yeah. the, the trouble is is that money is very, credit is very cheap at the moment and people have very short memories um and without being too much an old fart you know i remember very clearly the 87 crash no one touched equities for about two years i then remember the gulf war invasion the second gulf war invasion 2008 this is this is a natural phenomena for there to be too much exuberance and then to come back down reset the base and then off we go again and at the moment we have less than we have 14 companies in the S&P 500 that are net cash positive. The rest are up to their neck in debt. So you, we've got a situation where interest rates are extremely low. You've seen a massive amount of money being pumped into the economy and inflation is coming back. Now, Isn't it just transitory? I mean, yesterday I was talking to someone and they had just sold a property, uh, been involved in a property transaction, prime commercial property in central London, it went onto the market at 68 million. How much did it sell for within 24 hours? 83. Wow. So you're going to you're going to see. I, I believe you'll see inflation. That'll that'll cause interest rates to blip up, and that will then undermine the equity. Just look at commodity prices. Look at copper. How much copper has gone up in the last year? Crude oil. All these things which people don't necessarily look at, and then they suddenly, with hindsight, say, "Oh yeah, I should have seen that." You know, the European Central Bank has something like 15% of all of the corporate debt in Europe. So if, if corporates start falling over, that's going to undermine the bank big style. Yeah, but I mean, uh, this rise in inflation, it, it has to be transitory. We're still basically at the peak of a very long-term debt cycle. People are, just last year, we were fighting off deflation, right? So some inflation going from nothing to almost nothing. Is it really something that's going to pull out the rug or are they going to figure out what to do next? Well, the central banks don't have a, they haven't covered themselves in glory over the years, have they? You know, <laughs> that's, that's just the honest. It, 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 it's just the reality is, you know, nothing goes on forever. And um, there's normally there's normally a lag of about 18 months from stimulus to actual problems. And, and we're getting towards the end of that time period. So I think that also depends on. All I'm saying is if, if, the, if you suddenly saw your pension collapse in value by 30 percent. Yeah. Tomorrow, what would you do today? And if, if you're comfortable with that and you're saying, well, I'm not going to retire for another 30, 40 years. Don't worry about it. But if you're I coming up to retire at this rate, I just oh. I you know. I mean, I don't play golf. I don't. We don't have any ambitions to. What would travel you do with your time? What would you do with your time? Just read about startups, <laughs> the usual stuff. The, yeah. the tech tech love that I have. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'd. Yeah, I might do a bit of travelling, but yeah, no, I haven't got any. I don't know. I don't. I just think we're the generation that retirement it's probably never going to happen. I yeah. can't. You know, unfortunately, my ex-father really? died a couple of weeks ago and he was 93. And the week yeah. before he died, he was still running his business. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, if you enjoy, enjoy doing what you're, you know, if you enjoy yeah, doing what stuff. you're doing. 
Well, I mean, the, um, the other actually interesting point there, because we've had a bit of chatter today about ageism and, you know, we've got all these different subsections like women in tech and LGBT in tech. And there's not really an oldies in tech. I think someone should sort of stand up for the oldies and basically say, like, look, we've, we're experienced. We've been through IPOs. We've been through financial crises. We work with big tech founders. We we you know we conquered the world you can learn from us we're not and we're all not like rich and sat on our yacht smoking cigars half of us still have to work you know or probably even more more than half so i really think there's a you know i think what we will see and going to the point about retirement i think oldies in tech will have a revival in the next five years started by this this podcast now i believe um <laughs> but i think don't you think there's a point there you know it's kind well, of there's a lot of people who are going to be out of jobs who are over 50 either this year or next year because oh get rid of the old guy or the old girl you know i think they made a movie about this didn't they with um i think it was anne hathaway and uh, robert de niro I don't know if you saw oh, that I, one. I, yeah, I, I can do the De Niro, yeah. Yeah, in terms so, of, yeah and Hathaway, you like dressing up in You're talking to me? You want me to get the coffee? Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, but Joker Park, Chris, you know, that's, to be fair, that's why we end up getting involved with a number of different businesses, because sometimes, you know, having a bit of an old fart that's actually, you know, gone through the, I don't know, being involved in a business gone bust. The um, yeah. you know, seen all the nonsense yeah. about staff and, you know, the Christmas yeah. party and uh, all that. Yeah all that sort of stuff and actually well, don't worry about it. look this is a game it's not personal and yeah. why don't you look at this or have you looked at that way and actually we end up doing quite a lot of that sort of mentoring and bouncing ideas and say well, have you looked at this way have you considered that way and that's that's nothing to do with tech that, that, that's one of my bugbears the whole oh you're old you've had a good career you've worked for lots of big companies yes could you mentor us what me give you loads of really great advice but nothing all my wisdom you yeah. become even richer when you'll start up you exit your startup in three or five years and i'm left with fuck all <laughs> no no I don't want to it costs money to get this wisdom yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> sorry i've just undersold my business a bit there but it's true you know it's that kind of like true. i hate mentoring i mean i always used to get asked by tech stars like in june in june by Eamon when he ran it oh chris it's summer you're obviously doing nothing um could you could you mentor our 12 our, our some of our founders for 12 weeks over the summer months and and like you know and spend like it's about a day a week you know it's we won't we don't expect you to want to be paid huh? where's that come from um you know and, and you're going to give up your summer holiday that you'd be going away with your kids and your family no friggin chance mate sling your hook yeah, Chris, you it's know? also worse that if you pay nothing you expect nothing if you pay yeah, something you attach some value to it true that's what we always say and that's yeah. that's a good point so so you dodged the question on SPACs you gave us your view of the world financial meltdown again have you got a view on SPACs well yes I I, I well, there's as ever there's good and bad I um with the, the market the equity markets have got a serious problem on their hands and and that is the cost of doing an IPO is just extortionate and it is still simply an old boys club and SPACs have gone some way to try and actually shake that tree make it a lot cheaper and faster to actually launch um businesses but I, I my personal preference is what we're seeing in Germany and Switzerland Luxembourg whereby they're actually getting rid of paper 
And they're actually saying, if you want to issue equity, issue debt, do it in a digital format. And it's much, much cheaper and much, much faster. And that will hopefully bring, instead of having to be, you know, really, there's no point going on the stock market unless you're in the UK, at least two or 300 million. But that could come down to as little as 50 million. And, and that, that makes it really, really interesting. Um, yeah. because you can actually reduce the cost considerably. That, then you've got the whole problem of the conundrum of liquidity and how, can companies buy or can individuals buy? But if it's if it's there in a much more accessible manner, um, then that goes a long way to solving that. So SPACs are just, it's another way of packaging up stuff really quickly. It's mainly a professional sort of play that's going on at the moment. Um, and the money is being taken off of the underwriting banks. They're, they're not being paid basically a great big fat fee for kind of doing nothing. Which is what which is what was happening but you also got to look at wall street wall street and, and it's interesting we did something on this a couple of weeks ago for for a client you know and you look at the west coast compared to the east coast and you, and basically the the west coast is eating wall street and you know look at the capitalization of we wrote about it in this week's digital bytes um look at the capitalization of paypal mm. paypal is nearly three times the size of ibm nearly three times the size in terms of market capitalization of Goldman Sachs. Goldman Sachs. Wow. Square is the same capitalization as Goldman Sachs. It's mental, isn't it? Well, it is mental. It is mental. But then you look at, well, what are the banks doing if, if, if this digital stuff is going to take out payments and they don't, they don't like lending mm. and, and we see helicopter economics or governments giving money directly, so that, that'll take that role out. Well, mm. they, you could have the similar sort of thing with mortgages. So, so what do the banks do yeah. apart from incur massive money laundering fines every single year? <laughs> but yeah, and that's, that's again, going back to that's why we're going to have another financial crisis. But, the, but if you look at the fantastic success that someone like Tencent have had in Alibaba, where they started off as an Amazon, a shopping mall. Sorry, these are two huge companies in China um, for the listeners that aren't aware of them. And, and now they're, they're a fully integrated financial services business, offering micro loans, insurance, all sorts of stuff. Oh, yeah. and, and I think, you know, in, in, in what, five, probably maybe five, maybe 10 years, the, you know, your bank with Google, Apple, Facebook, whoever, you know, or, or there'll be someone new that... Apple have already got 507 million clients using Apple Pay. 507 and million. And teamed up with Merrill Lynch to provide a card. Yeah. So, what, so the next step for them, they will come out with a digital currency. Yeah. Or because buy a bank. <laughs> you, cannot, you don't want to buy a bank. It's this piece of rubbish full of idiots. Yeah, yeah but you, you acquire you. all the customers right off the bat. But they don't need they them. them. They've got 500 already. <laughs> and this is why they were so frightened about Facebook. You know, Facebook has 2.3 billion every single month logging on using Facebook. That is, what, three times the population of the G7 economies. Three times. Yeah. They're, they're, they're really worried that, that Facebook get some sort of digital currency. But again, going back to history, in 1863, when the Fed was created in America, there were 8,000 different types of US dollars. And the Fed said, stop, stop. There's yeah. going to be one issued by us. Yeah, and, and if now, you wanted to trade from one state to another, there's all that currency mm. stuff. And every state was issuing their own debt as well, which is not clever. Mm. So I do so, think with the corporate digital currencies coming out, because 
Um, most of the corporates that could issue them are, they actually have cash assets behind them, whereas the governments don't. All they do is they, we promise to pay. But so Facebook's, Facebook's, uh, yeah, Facebook's currency, right? It's a basket of goods behind it. Yeah, yeah. that's a very interesting point. So last couple for me, because I think we, we are running out of time. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, are we going to see you on Clubhouse? What's that? There's <laughs> <laughs> this big audio like app that people go on, generally spout their views. Rishi Shunak was on it this week. You know, so it's kind of like cool because Rishi's on it. Um, I know. Um, that make it cool? <laughs> uh, an amazing orator like you, Johnny, would be, you would have a massive following. It's it's an audio channel, basically. Yeah, it's an audio. Yeah, and no, I've, I've, I've done it and I've, people have kindly asked me to speak on it a few times. And um, I, do, you, do you know, Chris, I, 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 I personally struggle with, um, you've got emails. I still yeah. get occasional airmails. You get a letter. You get yeah. WhatsApp, you get yeah. texts, you get yeah. Telegram, you get Signal now, because that's meant to be even better than all the rest of them. And it's sometimes, yeah. did you see my, like, you know, we were a little bit late for this meeting and I ended up phoning WhatsApp and emailing. It is really tough for people to keep up to what yeah. is the most appropriate yeah. way to keep in, in touch with people. And it's a real mix. I, I appreciate that, but it is, yeah. it is quite tough. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, Clubhouse has done really, really well. I'm not mm. sure what, how well it will continue once people actually go back to work and um, and yeah. can't suddenly take out half an hour in the middle of the day. Or will so, they really? Sorry, boss. sorry boss, I'm on a really <laughs> interesting club. Well, you're on, on the train and you're on Clubhouse. Yeah, you're right. over there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, but may, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's here to stay and it's going to be super successful. No. Um, yeah, you do a Clubhouse, happy to come along and have a chat. Um, good luck well, yeah, I'll bear that in mind um, and then the last one we've, we've talked about different channels um, on the telly what are you watching anything oh I've anything? turned into a froggy lover oh, hey. sorry not, I'd say froggy well I'm a roast sorry. beef oh sorry so, well, they, yeah. are, they are they are stopping our, our supplies of the vaccine so let's oh. have a little dig um, uh, well, no, well one of my favourite films is Untouchables you ever seen it no Untouchables Oh, right. fantastic based on a true story a quadriplegic um uh, has to basically have a carer and there's this great big um black guy who basically can pick him up and chuck him in a wheelchair in and out um and he oh you got it's a fantastic feel-good film based on a true story all in french all okay. in french with subtitles so going along that thing the two things that we've been watching recently um is call my agent mm. Oh yes, yeah, love that. Yeah, yeah. a bit cheesy. Yeah. Acting's not great, but yeah, it's w w worth watching. And the other yeah. one, um, it's a bit like sort of Sherlock Holmesy. It's a bit. It's not quite real. Um, is Lupin? Mm. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. yeah. yeah, so three French films. Uh, yeah. So we still love the frogs. You'll be moving to the uh, to Saint Tropez soon at this rate with all that. Yeah, no, I'm not sure. I had a had a flat there once, and that was all a bit boring. Um, but no, I you know look the frogs the frogs love us. We love them. We love to hate each other. I was cheering for the French. Don't yeah. tell my Welsh next door neighbour. I was cheering for the French last weekend. They got a fantastic rugby club. So was I. <laughs> <laughs> but their their World Cup bloody website is useless. Bloody useless. I spent nearly four hours with it. Keep looking at keep looking. I couldn't get through yeah. to get tickets to the World Cup. But hey, oh, well. 
Oh, you like they, they, need the, they need the blockchain. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> On that happy note, thank you, sir. <laughs> <laughs>